0: Hey Donovan. Thanks so much for joining us today on our podcast. So today we have a number of questions for you about Xiaomi and around international strategy. But uh, before we get there, I wanted to learn a little bit more about your story. So you first started off your career at Google before joining Spotify as their first product manager in the US. And now you're at Xiaomi.
1: So what brought you to Xiaomi? Hey guys, it's uh, Donovan here. Uh, So uh currently uh, Director of Product Management and Marketing for Xiaomi Global. I've uh, been here for almost four years, uh, and I uh, joined Xiaomi from New York, uh, where I was previously at Spotify as the first product manager in the U.S. So, um, what brought me to Xiaomi? Uh, I think uh, the overall story is just that uh, I grew up in the U.S. Uh, I was born and raised in the U.S. Uh, my parents are of Chinese heritage, and... Uh, you know, I married uh, my wife who had spent a lot of time growing up in Fujian in China uh, as well as in Hong Kong and Singapore and had a lot of family here. Uh, so when we came back uh, to visit China back in the early days, uh, I started to get a big sense of FOMO actually. Just uh, had a sense that the China tech scene was developing extremely quickly, uh, in some ways uh, even faster uh, than the tech scene in America uh, and in Europe. Which is Spotify and Google, and so I just felt that uh, you know if there was some way for me uh, as an American-born Chinese uh, who had you know had some experience in various tech companies in the U.S. as well as in Europe uh, to be able to participate in that trend, uh, maybe help a Chinese company go global, I thought that would be an amazing once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yep.
0: Yeah. Thanks for that, Donovan. I can definitely see what you're describing. There's a lot of, uh, lot of pace here, a lot of developments, and everything's very uh, you know, hyperspeed. Uh, in terms of you coming over, what was the transition like for you? I mean, uh, in terms of language, culture, uh, just settling in, was that difficult for you or was it pretty straightforward?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think whenever you change a new environment, there's always a ton of challenges, right? Uh, a lot of new things to learn, uh, but of course, a lot of new opportunities as well. Uh, I think that overall, uh, the change to Xiaomi uh, was uh, fairly uh, straightforward in a lot of ways. Uh, first of all, Xiaomi is led by a very, very uh, strong product leader, um, our CEO, Lei Jun. Uh, you know, when I interviewed with Lei Jun uh, during, the, uh, during the consideration period, uh, it was very clear that he had a very, very deep understanding of product and technology. Um, which is, uh, you know, still still maybe unique uh, in a lot of ways uh, for a lot of CEOs. But he's a very strong product CEO, uh, which I felt is a very strong component um, of Xiaomi. That was certainly the case at Spotify as well, uh, which is led by a very strong product CEO in Daniel Ek, uh, and it's also the case as well in Google and YouTube and all of these uh, other tech companies. So I think from that perspective, Xiaomi was quite similar uh, to these other companies, right? This idea of build an amazing product, focus on the user, and all else will follow. So I think that part's quite similar. Uh, I think another thing about Xiaomi is that it's an internet company. Uh, So in that sense, it's very similar to a lot of the internet companies that you find in the US. In general, uh, it moves very quickly. Uh, It's very flat. There's less bureaucracy. Uh, There's very heavy focus on product development, uh, making sure there's a good user experience. Uh, and then there's all the other functions that you find in a normal tech company uh, or an internet company. Things like sales, uh, advertising, marketing, um, operations, all of those things. Uh, but I think the product really comes at the at the middle. So I think that part is quite similar to a lot of the other companies uh, I, I was previously working at. Now I think there are quite a few things that uh, were really at a different level at Xiaomi. Uh, I think the first one, of course, is the language. Uh, you know the, the advantage of most U.S. companies, and even companies in Europe, like Spotify, uh, where, where English is the main language, uh, is, is that English uh, currently is the world's global language uh, for business and commerce and everything. So basically when you build a product, say at YouTube or Spotify, um, from day one there's a certain amount of internationalization in that product, and there's a certain amount of internationalization in the way the company is run. Uh, you know, there's, you're speaking in English, sort of, the, the whole world adapts to English in a way. Uh, Xiaomi is certainly the first company I've worked at where uh, the primary language is Chinese. Uh, you know, literally, uh, I would say 99% of our communications at Xiaomi are done in Chinese, whether it were WeChat, email, meetings, um, keynotes, uh, so on and so forth. So I think mean, that was certainly a big change. Uh, you know, I'd spoken Chinese growing up, but had not really read or written Chinese uh, before I came here. I think another thing is the uh, the pace of execution. Uh, I, I think that uh, um, you know, you've know you probably heard uh, from various other sources that, in general, um, Chinese companies tend to work a lot harder. Um, there's a, a system called 996, uh, which is very popular, with a lot of Chinese tech companies, which is the idea that the official work hours are from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days a week. Uh, Which is certainly the case uh, when I first joined uh, Xiaomi, and uh, you know, in many ways, it's actually much much crazier than that. Uh, Maybe many meetings could last uh, well past midnight, um, and then uh, maybe could start much earlier in the morning. Uh, Maybe we would also work Sundays, things like that. So, uh, I I would say that it was probably more intense than that. Mm. But in general, I think that Chinese companies uh, do tend to move more quickly uh, than certainly some of the Western companies I've been at, and I think that's. Uh, in many ways, a sign of the stage that Chinese companies are at right now. Uh, You know, there's a big opportunity in front of a lot of them, and there's really a feeling that, in general, speed uh, really wins above all else. Speed and execution. You know, uh, If there's a good idea in the U.S., maybe you have a couple of clones and copycats. Uh, In China, uh, maybe you have a good idea and there are literally hundreds of copycats or, or similar companies. So speed and execution are quite crucial. Uh, I think also the general population size of China contributes to the overall competitiveness. You know, just things are very competitive, and so so people move very, very quickly. So I think those two things are definitely stand out um, for me in terms of some of the differences of working at Xiaomi. But uh, I think in general there are more similarities uh, to Western tech companies than there are um, differences.
0: Yeah. So thanks for that, Donovan. It's really good context. And one of the things that we notice is that uh, you know China market is very large. So a lot of these Chinese tech companies move very fast, take market share. They do very well within China borders. But there's few Chinese unicorns, few Chinese tech companies yeah. are going abroad. And to your point, um, Xiaomi being a Chinese company with a Chinese language, it has some challenges in terms of language or having a product be uh, you know available for a global uh, audience from the get-go. But uh, you help lead the global efforts. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your
1: role is there and what is the strategy for Xiaomi going global? Sure. Uh, So I've been on the Xiaomi Global team for um, uh, over three and a half years, almost four years now. And uh, uh, when I first came, I uh, led our global product team, uh, especially on the Internet side. Uh, And uh, over time, I expanded my responsibilities to include uh, some of our hardware products, uh, to include our marketing team as well, uh, and have uh, just sort of played a, a role in helping with our overall global expansion. Um, I've also uh, taken on some uh, responsibilities as our global spokesperson uh, in terms of uh, meeting the media, explaining Xiaomi's model, uh, launching products, uh, which is a key thing that we do when we, when we open new markets, uh, you know, being a, sort of an advocate of our culture and our values, especially when it comes to interacting with Mi fans, uh, and of course being very active on social media, which is one of the main ways that we interact with, uh, with all of our users worldwide. So, uh, you know, many ways I've seen the uh, global team grow from a very, very small team uh, now to to several hundred person strong team, uh, not only in headquarters, uh, but also in all of our countries worldwide, you know, including important countries like India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Thailand, Russia, uh, Dubai, uh, Egypt, Mm. uh, and of course, most recently, uh, some key countries in Western Europe, including Spain, uh, which we entered about six months ago. Uh, and now, France and Italy. Uh, so, so my responsibilities have uh, sort of really crossed the gamut of a lot of things. Right now, i focus focused mostly uh, on a lot of our products, um, our product launches, our marketing, uh, and a lot of our spokesperson activities.
0: Okay. Thanks, Donovan. Uh, you mentioned a number of countries that Xiaomi is operating today or just launched in. Uh, you know, for example, uh, India being a large market, Russia. Uh, some of the European, European nations. How do you guys select your countries? Is there a methodology to that? You know, is it based on population size? Uh, you know, are there any other metrics that you guys look at? I know you guys also sell your products online as well. So what are some of the, the key criteria you use to select those markets and
1: get in? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, so you mentioned earlier uh, that uh, many Chinese companies, tech companies, are now starting to go global for the first time. Uh, So a lot of us are all trying to learn what's the best way to go global. right? There's not too many prior examples that we can look at. uh, But I think that there are a few best practices that have come up over the years. Um, I think, uh, first of all, um, when we look at what country to enter, a very key metric that we look at is, of course, the population size of that country. Uh, In general, if the uh, country is larger, there's, of course, a larger addressable market. Uh, We also look very closely at the number of active internet users and how active they are in general because our model uh, tends to depend very heavily on uh, users who are very active on the internet, uh, both mobile and on desktop. Uh, We also look at other things. Uh, We also look at things like um, what's the uh, GDP per capita. Uh, We look at the smartphone market, uh, which is a very key market for us. Uh, We look at the size of the smartphone market, the market penetration, the growth rates. We look at um, you know, use of social media. Uh, we look at whether e-commerce is big or not in the country. Uh, and we take all these things together. Uh, I think one of the advantages that Xiaomi has uh, compared to a lot of other Chinese tech companies is that we have a very well-rounded business model. Uh, we depend on not just on internet, not just on hardware, uh, not just on e-commerce, but on a blend of all of these things. First of all, we make uh, the first pillar of our model is high-quality hardware, sold at near cost. And we, of course, make phones, which is what we're most famous for. We have a lot of different product lines. We have our high-end, most premium product line, the Mi Mix series. Uh, We have our flagship series, the Mi 6, the Mi 7, so on and so forth. Uh, We have uh, our Redmi Note, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, we have a very, very active line of smartphone models. Uh, We've also invested in a number of ecosystem companies, which you're aware of, uh, that have helped us to make a variety of consumer IoT and lifestyle products. In total, we have over 1,600 SKUs already. So it's quite a lot of product lines, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it ranges from anything, including scooters, to laptops, to TVs, uh, to rice cookers, to routers, uh, so on and so forth, Uh, drones. so, So the list goes on and on. Um, all of these things combined together uh, give us a range of products that is pretty much unmatched in the entire industry and i think hardware has a particular advantage because it really crosses boundaries and borders very easily right maybe when you make a particular software product like a uh, let's say like a wechat or a particular music app uh, maybe it doesn't necessarily localize quite as easily in different countries but i think everyone around the world appreciates high quality hardware at honest prices hmm. Uh, another key element of our model is our what we call new retail. Uh, that includes things like our e-commerce channels like me.com, which is our own e-commerce site. It also includes things like uh, our me-authorized stores and me-homes, which are these offline stores that we've opened. Uh, we've already opened over 300 me-homes in China. Uh, we've opened quite a few in India. So that's another key part of our model that mm-hmm. allows us to sell directly to consumers and really build up uh... this uh, word of mouth more and more easily and the third thing of course are internet services so i think the fact that we have such a wide variety of products and channels that we set up i think helps us establish our brand and our positioning more clearly in a lot of countries so to just give you some quick stats uh... you know in just the four years i've been at xiaomi i've seen that we've gone from uh... you know almost no countries globally uh... to over seventy two countries globally in that time, uh, we've crossed some major milestones. Uh, just last year, uh, we crossed a major revenue milestone, uh, which was $100 billion RMB. It's about $15.5 billion USD. Uh, and as far as we know, that's one of the fastest, if not the fastest, in all of history, for any company that crossed this milestone. Uh, as a matter of comparison, uh, Google took nine years. Facebook took 12 years. And Apple took 20 years to cross that revenue milestone. So I think that's quite significant. On the global side, uh, which you guys are probably quite interested in, uh, in India, after just three years of entering the market, Mm -hmm. uh, we became number one in that market in terms of smartphone Mm shipments. The latest IDC report in Q1 2018 has us with over 30% market share in India. Other countries include Indonesia, which we entered uh, a little bit after India. Uh, After a few years of setting up local manufacturing, uh, really getting uh, our production line set up, uh, we are now number two in Indonesia going to cannabis. Uh And of course, uh, one of our uh, greatest uh, prides is uh, entering Spain, which is one of the first Western markets that we entered. We entered Spain just six months ago, and in just six short months, we have gone from nothing to number three in the market. It's uh, incredible, Which yeah. really gives us confidence that our model works not just in developing markets, but also in developed markets. So that gave us the confidence as well uh, to open up um, France and Italy. Just a few weeks ago, so I was just in Paris and Milan a few weeks ago uh, to open up these countries as well. Uh, overall, uh, we in over fifteen markets globally were in the top five, often in the top three. Uh, so it's been quite an accomplishment for us. Uh, we're starting to bring a lot of our ecosystem products, our consumer IoT products globally as well: uh, routers, uh, TVs, uh, scooters, um, you know, uh, action cameras, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Uh, And we're very confident that all of these products will be well-received, too. One of the key reasons is because um, we we sell our products at amazing prices. They're basically close to cost. Uh, In fact, you probably know that uh, just a few months ago, we pledged to all of our existing users as well as our future users that we will forever limit the net hardware profit margin on all of our hardware products to within 5%. Mm. And anything above five percent, we will return the surplus to our users. Wow! Okay. So a promise like this is really a promise to all of our consumers that we will forever keep our prices very competitive. and they can be confident that they are mm. buying the product at the best mm. price available, as close to cost as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Quick, quick question there. That, I mean, that that is uh, that point is just incredible. Five percent profit margin. Is that um, due to business strategy, or is it more so later and the, the, the Xiaomi management team uh, wanting to achieve their own visions of creating? really high-quality products for everyone to uh, to access.
1: Yeah, uh, this model um, of selling uh, these hardware products at cost has mm-hmm. really been with us from day one, actually, uh, from the launch of the Mi One, uh, mm-hmm. right back when Xiaomi started. Uh, so the model all along has been to sell amazing products at honest prices. Right? Some companies want to take a product that costs $100 and sell it to you for $300 or $500. But we think that if we have a product that costs $100 to make, we should just sell it to you for something close to $100. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that is just a fundamental part of our business model and our operation. And mm-hmm. it's been like that from day one. Mm-hmm. Us mentioning this is us crystallizing it and telling everyone that fundamentally forever, we do not look to make profits off of hardware. And that's also because at our core, we're not just a smartphone company. We're actually an internet company with smartphones, smart hardware, and IoT platform at our core, right? So uh, an internet company, what they typically care about the most is users. They mm. care about acquiring active users so that we can then uh, upsell them a variety of internet services, which of course have much higher profit margins than 5%, mm. uh, so that they can enjoy mm. you know, a better life, mm. right? But mm. uh, our entire uh, hardware strategy you can really look at it as making our users' lives better, and also acting as a funnel for these users to potentially become uh, consumers of our internet services as well. Hmm. Yeah. In terms of the internet services, what are some of the
0: popular ones that uh, folks abroad are using? For example, if you're in the, the, the Spanish market, are you able to access
1: a lot of these services that folks in China might be used to and, and uh, enjoy as well? Yeah, so our internet services uh, market is most advanced in China right now. Uh, our model, uh, you know, we tend to start with building our brand by selling high-quality hardware, phones, tablets, TVs, so on and so forth, setting up our sales channels, including our own me.com e-commerce website so we can build our brand. And then once we've acquired enough users, we then start to figure out ways for us to build customized internet services for them. Uh, in China, uh, you know we have a, a lot of internet services, so I'll just list a few here. Um, First of all, our entire platform, we call it the MIUI Internet Platform, has over 190 million monthly active users, making it one of the biggest Internet platforms in the world. Uh, We have a team of over 1,000 people uh, working on a bunch of killer apps. So right now we have um, 38 apps with over 10 million MAU, and we have 18 apps with over 50 million MAU. Uh, Some of these apps include things like our App Store, browser, our game center, um, so on and so forth. We also have some value-added services like, the, like our music app, our video app, which is one of the biggest apps in all of China, uh, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of our global expansion of internet services, um, the most advanced market right now is <coughs> India. That's because in India we, uh, we've we acquired the most users. You, I, I mentioned earlier that we have over 30% market right. share now in smartphones. Mm-hmm. In India, literally just about a month ago, uh, we announced couple of interesting internet services. One of them is our own music app called Me Music, mm. uh, which we hope can become quite a popular music app there. Uh, we've partnered very closely with a local content and music provider called Ngama, which we've also invested in as well. Uh, we also we launched uh, a video app, right? Uh, Me Video app. So a lot of people use the video app uh, to play local video files, but we also wanted to add some streaming content to it as well. So we're very excited about those two. And a third one I can mention is Me Credit. So mm-hmm. it's, an, it's a way for a lot of users to log on uh, and then apply for microloans mm-hmm. uh, up to around, uh, around 100,000 rupees. Those are just three small examples of internet services that we've ar- already introduced in our global markets, in our biggest global market, which is India. Uh, mm-hmm. As we you know, build up our market share in other key markets like Indonesia, Russia, Spain, etc., uh, we'll be able to also figure out what kinds of services they like and we'll be able to figure out uh, ways to introduce those as well. Mm.
0: Mm. Thanks, Alan. That's super helpful. And uh, so going back to the first step of actually getting people to hardware and selling them, getting into people's hands to so you have more users, um, you mentioned there's these uh, me.com. You mentioned there's a retail store. Uh, there's also, I imagine, distributors. So um, how does this vary by market? For example, India versus Western Europe. Is there, is there a big difference? What was your approach to the sales channels? Yeah, in general, when it
1: comes to sales, uh, we look very closely at each market's conditions, uh, and then we adapt our strategy accordingly. But our overall strategy doesn't change, to be clear. Our overall strategy is an omni-channel strategy. It's to make sure that our high-quality hardware products are available in as many channels as possible, as close to cost as possible. So that doesn't really change. Uh, for example, even in China, uh, where online is still you know, a lot of our sales, accounts for a majority of our sales, uh, of course we have very active offline channels. Uh, We have our own Mii stores, our Mii homes, and we also work with a variety of third-party channels as well. In India, uh, when we first entered India, we took a big bet on the India internet, especially the e-commerce channel, expanding very rapidly. So from day one, uh, we partnered with uh, the biggest e-commerce channel at the time in India called Flipkart. We also partnered with Amazon, uh, Snapdeal, and a variety of other e-commerce partners, and of course opened our own channel as well, which is Me.com. In some other markets, for example, Indonesia, we found that Indonesia is primarily an offline market. So from day one, uh, we've also worked with a lot of offline partners, including distributors mm. uh, in Indonesia, to really make sure that our products can be uh, you know, bought by the largest group of users possible. Uh, in a market like Spain, which we entered six months ago, mm. uh, Spain is a bit of more of a developed market and also has a pretty active e-commerce uh, channel. So uh, in Spain from day one, we activated all channels. So online, we opened our own me.com channel. It was the third market we opened it in after China and India. Uh, We also partnered with e-commerce players like Amazon, uh, Carrefour, other e-commerce partners. And then we also partnered with a variety of offline channels, Mm. including uh, Media Mart, uh, Walmart, so on and so forth. We also opened our own offline authorized stores as well. So in Spain from day one, we work through all channels. Mm. Uh, another key channel I can mention as well is our carrier channel. So working with uh, global operators like Vodafone, uh, Telefonica, so on and so forth, we already have over 50 carrier partnerships worldwide. Mm. So that's also quite an accomplishment for us. Uh, in France, which we just entered recently, we also did a omni multi-channel strategy, including Me.com, including Amazon, including offline mm. channels, and including uh, carriers like Orange. So, uh, so it really depends on market, but the overall strategy of selling uh, these high-quality products at honest prices doesn't change.
0: Understood. And beyond the sales channels, I'd like to learn a little bit more about the products that you sell by market. Sure. So, is it typically the smartphones, the core nucleus of the product, and then the ecosystem products kind of is built around that, or is it is it the case in some markets the other uh, smart products are sold first before the smartphones come in? You know, assuming that in some places there are more intellectual property or more IP patents
1: that might constrain some, uh, some, some products being sold there. So, uh, so uh, in general, we start with our smartphones first. Okay. Uh, smartphones tend to be the core product that we sell. Um, they are the center of today's mobile internet industry and mobile internet ecosystem. Uh, so most of our ecosystem and consumer IoT products, for example, uh, they all connect to Wi-Fi and can yeah. be controlled through your smartphone. So, we really do see the smartphone at the center of all of this. Mm. Uh, So, smartphones tend to be the first product that we launch. Uh, So, that was certainly the case in India, uh, in Indonesia, in Spain, in Russia, so on and so forth. Um, We're starting to introduce more and more ecosystem products globally. Uh, For example, just a few months ago, we launched TV for the first time globally in India, uh, which is very exciting for us. We've introduced a lot of other exciting products in other markets as well. Um, For example, in Europe, it turns out that one of the most exciting and popular ecosystem products is the scooter. Uh you know, there's a lot of country uh, a lot of cities in Europe, uh like Madrid, Paris, etc., where the ground is quite flat and it makes it quite easy to navigate by scooter. Uh so, so scooter is actually mm. one of the more popular products sold in Spain and the, France. The, the electric scooter. The electric yeah, scooter. scooter, the scooter. Yeah. Um, in some other markets, uh we we do launch ecosystem products first. So for example, in the US. Uh, we've already launched quite a few ecosystem products uh, starting last year through a partnership with Amazon, uh, including the scooter we just mentioned. Uh, also things like our power bank, our action camera, our webcam, uh, so on and so forth. And so a lot of exciting products that we've launched there as well. And we're going to bring more and more products uh, over, over, over time to all of our markets globally. Yep, yeah, Thanks, Donovan. So a little bit more, uh, back, you know,
0: back to some of the markets that you mentioned, uh, especially the, the Western markets, the more developed ones. Uh, given that there's differences there, whether it's uh, the popularity of carriers, uh, certain certain IP, etc., um, what are some of the localizations or customizations that are required
1: in order to enter those markets uh, successfully? Sure. Uh, so, uh, Europe is a very special market for us. Uh, you know, we decided uh, about a year ago that we were going to invest heavily in Europe because we felt our model could work there. Uh, it was a bit of a risk because previously we had mostly been expanding to developing markets uh, markets like India, Indonesia, so on and so forth Um, but really entering a western market was a big step for us Uh, we did not know honestly uh, if our entire model was going to work but we're very happy to say that actually it's been quite successful Uh, in Spain you know just six months we went from nothing to number three in terms of smartphones Uh, so that was really quite a pleasant surprise for us and we were really quite quite pleased with the results I think uh, the success of Europe has really increased our confidence that our mission of innovation for everyone and providing high quality products to everyone in the world at these prices it, it really works everywhere you know um, the, the the question is actually more like if Xiaomi can provide a superior product at half the price of other competitors, why wouldn't it win? Mm. Who in the world wants to pay more uh, for, for something when they don't have to? So I think that's really the significance of the European market for us, uh, mm. and us doing so well there. Mm. In terms of particular customizations and so forth, mm. um, you know, whenever we work with particular carriers, of course every carrier has their own uh, customization requirements, and of course we try to meet these as much as possible. We're still quite a small team, uh, especially on the global side. Uh, So we don't always have the resources to be able to make every customization, but we're already improving quite a lot on that front. Mm. So uh, right now, uh, we're working very closely uh, with uh, over 50 carriers globally, and we expect that number to increase over time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for that.
0: Uh, You mentioned the team is pretty small. I think it's a very interesting point because I feel like Xiaomi is very good at creating leverage, basically generating a lot of results from not sparse resources anymore but basically maximizing ROI and all the efforts that you guys put in. Yes. So, for example, uh, the Xiaomi ecosystem, uh, based on my understanding, there is a team that helps uh, review certain opportunities, certain projects that you guys might want to invest in and then support them in terms of product design, uh, development, uh, supply chain, sales channels, etc. That's one way of really maximizing leverage and getting a lot of products out there. Uh, for the international team as well, uh, we'd like to understand a little bit more about uh, you know, what are the, the resources that apply to the different markets. You said the team is small. I mean, how big is the team? What do they focus on? Uh, how do you guys hire locally? And what is your approach to the, the global uh, growth and expansion?
1: Yeah, uh, the, the team's quite small. Uh, overall, it's probably just a couple hundred people, which is really quite small for the scale that we're operating at. You know, being the fourth largest smartphone manufacturer in the world and the mm-hmm. fastest-growing internet company in the mm-hmm. world, mm-hmm. Uh, we think that's quite a, quite a small team for the scale. Uh, I think that one of the key things I would emphasize is that one of our core values is efficiency. Efficiency in sales, efficiency in marketing, efficiency in operations. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to, of course, have all sorts of crazy markups on our products as we sell them to our consumers. Uh, we want to make sure that we're spending our money on marketing in the right way. We, in general, don't spend a lot of money uh, on big billboard ads or TV ads or you know finding celebrity spokespeople or things like that. We really focus a lot on word of mouth i working with our me fans on social media, uh, on PR, so on and so forth. Uh, and, of course, on operations, right, to your mm-hmm. point about leverage, really trying to get the most business results out of the fewest number of people. Uh, and a lot of it's also, you know, due to our startup nature. You know, we're still a very young company overall, only eight years old overall. Uh, but even the global team is really only about three, four years old. So mm-hmm. just it's still a pretty young team overall, and we're all just trying to
0: keep up with the yeah. pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean we're all very impressed with the growth of uh, Xiaomi in general, also Xiaomi Global. I mean, is there a secret sauce though? You know, beyond the stuff that you're talking about, you know, for, there's not too many good examples of Chinese companies going abroad. Sure. Uh, and uh, you know, Xiaomi has not only gone abroad, but it's done so very successfully. Yes. And it seems that knock on wood, yeah, it's have not made any major mistakes. So, beyond the having quality people and being efficient, is there anything else going on? Is there organizational structure or approach that just that just really works well for? Uh, your global expansion efforts.
1: So I think we have a lot of advantages. You know, we've hired some pretty amazing people. Uh, people are working quite hard. Uh, you know, we 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 really caught a very good wave of uh, the mobile internet really rising. Uh, we really caught the wave of China uh, becoming one of the key manufacturing hubs of the world, uh, and China uh, also sort of expanding a bit more. So Chinese tech companies growing with that. Uh, But I think at the heart of it, there's really two things that help to explain Xiaomi's success. Uh, The first one is our products. We actually spend a lot of time making sure all of our products are very, very well designed and and, and really high quality. Uh, And that goes back again to one of the first things I mentioned, which is we're led by a very strong product founder CEO who uh, uses every product himself personally for up to three to six months before it's released, mm. uh, who is, plays a critical role in product design, product roadmap mm. uh, across all of our product lines, uh, whether phones or TVs or ecosystem products. Uh, so I think the quality of our products really helps explain things, right? Mm. We often say sometimes that the product is the marketing because the products are so well designed, we just have to really make sure people understand what the product is doing. Mm. Uh, mm. The products help with word of mouth. The product helps with everything when you have good product. I think that's number one. Uh, the second thing uh, that really, I think, helps explain our success is our model. The, the model, as we mentioned, involves selling high-quality products at close-to-cost prices. I, I think that that's, that that's just very hard to beat, mm-hmm. uh, because why would anyone in the world want to buy yeah. a product that was of inferior quality and two to three times the price? It yeah. just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. So For I think sure. the model itself is very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that model, we're more and more convinced, especially with our success in India, in Indonesia, Spain, Russia, so on and so forth, that model is replicable around the world. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the world wants high quality products at amazing prices. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's just not yeah. too much uh, not too much more to say yeah. about that.
0: Yeah yeah now, I mean that, that'll make sense. The product is excellent. the, the business model and the, the channels make sense. I just that you know, sometimes when you're expanding abroad really quickly, yes. uh, the right teams, the right people matter a lot, and especially with a Chinese company and, you know, language being a barrier that like you mentioned earlier, in some cases it is difficult, it might be a little bit hairy, so I'm just trying to understand, is there a way that you guys are able to manage the, the different types of people on a team across different countries that allows you to be efficient, to continue to uh, push the Xiaomi dream uh, without having major hurdles? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah I think that uh, the global team at Xiaomi Uh, plays a very key role uh, in really helping to understand the values of Xiaomi as a company things like efficiency, things like passion, uh, things like sincerity and really helping to transmit those values uh, worldwide especially as we start to hire more and more local employees who don't necessarily speak Chinese so I think that there's a lot of things that the global team helps to do to really bridge the gap uh, between uh, employees and headquarters and employees overseas uh, in local markets uh, we're starting to do more and more work to really make sure that the values and the model are transmitted correctly so that helps to explain things like our five percent pledge uh, in many ways that's also a pledge to all of our employees that whatever we do we need to make sure that we run the business so the net profit hardware margin is within 5%. Mm-hmm. We need to make run the business so it's very efficient, mm-hmm. right? So we're not uh, wasting money on sales channels or marketing or things like that. Mm-hmm. So all of these are pledges uh, from, from us to really help make sure that we can all stay consistent in the same set of values over time. Uh, we also have you know various programs in place, such as uh, helping to arrange for uh, more senior employees from headquarters to go temporarily work out of local offices, help build up local offices, things like that. Um, but we found that a lot of these models tend to be quite effective when it comes to uh, replicating this model and this way of operating the business in many countries around the world.
0: Got it. Thanks, Donovan. So one last question for you, or our time is running short. Um, you know, given the escalating you know, terrorist potential trade war globally for U.S., China, and U.S.,
1: uh, rest of the world, how does that impact Xiaomi's global strategy? Sure. So, uh, at a high level, you know, not a politician, uh, working at a at a very product focused company, I think that um, at a high level, a trade war uh, benefits no one, uh, and would certainly uh, not be the best situation. You know, for Xiaomi specifically, our mission is to bring high quality products to everyone in the world, which includes people in China, it includes people in the U.S includes people in Europe and everywhere around the world. Uh, so our goal is really just to make sure that that mission can, can work out. Uh, and of course, we are constantly observing uh, changing conditions in every country, uh, whether they're economic or social or uh, you know e-commerce or things like that. Uh, so we, we pay very close attention to the situation. Uh, but in general, we don't feel this affects our mission or what we're trying to accomplish, which is really to try to bring these amazing products at close to cost pricing. To everyone in the world. Okay.
0: Well, thanks so much, Donovan. Wish you best of luck on his mission and hope the various policies around the world are supportive and uh, help you enable with that as well.
1: Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for having me here. Thanks, Donovan. Cheers.